Welcome to the Live Powered by Ford, the podcast for auto repair professionals brought to you by the Ford customer service family of parts and services. I'm your host, Chris Simmert, a storyteller and gearhead who knows his way around an impact wrench. In this specialized services episode, we take a deep dive into Ford diesel truck territory and discuss a common condition that continues to get a lot of chatter out there, white smoke. We have a great discussion on diesel diagnostics and repairs with Ford engineer Gavin Burns and Tony Moore, an experienced PSN shop owner and diesel tech on managing customer expectations and satisfaction when it comes to white smoke. These guys address the condition head on like few can. Then we shift gears and go off the clock in the spirit of never ending summer. To celebrate the season, we meet Dan McKeever, who runs some really cool performance schools for Ford enthusiasts, where you can learn to race a custom Mustang on asphalt or navigate some off-highway trails in a Ford Raptor. All right, let's get this episode rolling. This episode of the Lift Powered by Ford, we're talking diesel trucks. We're stoked to have Gavin Burns, SPW quality engineer with global repair product planning at the Ford Motor Company, and Tony Moore, co-owner of Winners Diesel from Brownstown, Michigan, as our guests. Gavin has played some important and relevant roles within Ford as a diesel engineer programming manager and as an engineer in the service part warranty department, where he worked to help enhance Ford's product quality and customer satisfaction. And Tony has seen it all in the automotive and motorcycle service business. Winner's Diesel was born out of the closure of a local dealership where Tony and his co-owner took their service experience and training and applied it in a smaller, more efficient way, giving their customers a dealership-quality service experience with a towny feel for over 12 years. Winner's model is, if it burns gas or diesel and doesn't fly, Winner's has probably fixed at least one. Hey, Gavin, Tony, welcome to The Lift, powered by Ford. Hey, how are you doing? Great to be here. Thank you. Hey, Tony, why are owners of Ford diesel vehicles so passionate about their trucks? Well, mostly, you know, the truck is popular, which makes it so it's right for the aftermarket. So those those guys out there that are making tunes and building cool stuff, they're going to do it for Ford because they're going to have an audience. And, you know, as a repair shop out in the out in Michigan here, everyone is super into the diesel thing. There's a local drag strip and these guys, they just want to do their thing. And it's, it's possible. And that's the biggest part is like Ford makes it possible because this stuff is popular. There's so many. Excellent. Hey, and, and Gavin, how about you, Matt? What drives you and your team at Ford when it comes to diesel trucks? You know, kind of like what Tony said, anybody that knows Ford knows that trucks are, you know, our bread and butter. It's, it's the most popular item that we sell, uh, F-Series being, you know, way up there at the top. So, um, when it comes to these diesel trucks, uh, we find that our customers tend to be extremely loyal. Um, they typically use the trucks for uh, some for, form of work, whether that's in a fleet, you know, whether they're using it for uh, delivery, whether using it for towing and heavy work. Uh, so we are very engaged and very focused on uh, maintaining, you know, a, a very high quality product and making sure that. Uh, you know, if we do run into issues, if we run into uh, situations where we, we see problems, we, we really want to resolve them quickly and, you know, super efficient. One thing that, that keeps coming up, and I, and I wanted to have you guys kind of help us discuss this, kind of go over it, is white smoke. We're looking at the 6.4s, you know, 6.7s, you know, you guys tell me, Gavin, you were a technical hot team leader at Ford. We're going to do a little role playing with you and Tony, you know, what is white smoke and why is it an issue with power strokes? Well, you know, white smoke traditionally in automotive applications is is wildly different from what you typically see in diesel itself. 
typically in a gas engine, it means coolant consumption, something along those lines, blown head gasket, something like that. In a diesel, you've got three things that can cause it. You've got either uh, coolant, which uh, consumption, but in a different manner, uh, fuel, maybe raw fuel, either going into the exhaust or not being burned in the cylinder, or even, you know, situations with oil consumption. Uh, so that would commonly be maybe a leaking turbocharger or something along those lines where, tur- uh, where the oil is being burned in the exhaust system. Um, so it's interesting that the diagnostic method is definitely different. Um, and really the failure modes in a diesel are, are substantially different from what you would experience in a, in a gas engine vehicle. What should our, our PSM members or our, our dealer, you know, um, shops, what process should they use? You know, the diagnostic process, you know, what are the step-by-steps that you recommend that how they address this? Well, I think one of the things that I learned early on, uh, just assisting dealers with diagnostics on diesel is that you can go too far too fast. So what you really need to do is, is to take a step back and try to start with the simple uh, aspects of the diagnostic method and then, and then work your way into the more intrusive diagnostics. You know, simple things like just checking fluid levels, checking coolant levels, checking oil levels, validating that you don't see any, you know, obvious leaks, anything along those lines, and then working more towards that, that more in-depth uh, maybe disassembly or inspection of components is, is really the thing to do. Because if you, if you start in the wrong direction too far too fast, uh, you can get really deep into a, a disassembly or, or even taking an engine out uh, before you've even really identified an issue. Right. Hey, and Tony, feel free to get in on this one, man. I was listening to Gavin talk and, you know, we kind of go hand in hand with some of these things, but from a even a customer education perspective, when you start talking about diesel engines, because the turbo is spinning continuously, we don't see coolant out of the tailpipe as a result of a head gasket failure, simply because the cylinder is always under pressure. And it's always under more pressure than the radiator cap could ever have. So most of the time, when you start seeing, it, even if it is coolant coming out of the tailpipe of a diesel engine, it's not going to be a head gasket, simply because you know, the cylinder is always under a certain amount of pressure. And when a diesel fails a head gasket, it pushes the coolant out of the radiator cap or the degas ball. Got it. So anybody, you know, from the old gas, you know, any running a gas engine, you know, that's what they're expecting. Right. There's a vacuum stroke there. You know, they expect the vacuum where, where the engine could draw coolant in. Gavin, any examples of, of maybe someone, you know, in Tony's shoes or someone who called in or contacted you guys and said, hey, you know, how should we address this? How, what should we tell customers? Well, of course, you know, we, we want to utilize what, what diagnostic information we have available. So most technicians are pretty highly trained in diesel. They've already uh, got access to our workshop manuals. And usually by the time they're contacting us, you're getting into the a little bit more unique and weird stuff. However, that said, diesel is kind of mystifying. It's a little bit different. Uh, so in a lot of cases, you're just helping somebody work through things. I think what Tony was just kind of getting into is is spot on and typically one of the uh, you know, one of the first things we would really look for, especially when it comes to a coolant consumption issue, is that um, we're not looking at any sort of uh, head gasket problems or anything along those lines. Typically in that situation, we're actually looking at a leaking EGR cooler. Coolant will actually flow back through the engine, through the intake, and it actually burns coolant in the cylinder. And that's where the white smoke comes. So a uh, 6.7, it can have the not the identical failure mode, but a very similar one. So it's a, you know, an internal leak in an EGR cooler allowing for coolant to enter the engine. Um, and, and that's probably one of our, our top failure modes when it comes to uh, an abnormal white smoke anyways. Even if it gets pushed straight out the exhaust, it's going to get hot in the cat. 
and then you'll still get that white smoke. What we see in six seven is like if if it's being reversed back into the engine, it'll be like real nice white smoke. You'll see a lot of it. If it's just straight being pushed into the exhaust, it's going to be more liquid with a little bit of white. Yep, spot on, spot on. Interesting. Yeah, and, and Tony, what's something a customer came in and they were concerned, and you guys are able to you know put it to rest or at least you know make them feel good and you know tell them that everything's okay. Well, you know, everybody's a little bit freaked out from the old days, right? So when you walk in the door, you got your hundred thousand dollar six seven truck. And the very first thing that happens to you is all of a sudden you're losing a little bit of coolant and there's some white smoke out the tailpipe and they didn't even learn from the six liter days. So they roll in the door and it's just like, Oh my God, I got to take the heads off this thing. You guys are going to be ripping the cab off. It's like, well, let's make sure it's coolant first. That's number one. And two, it's like, if it is coolant, it's probably not as big a deal as you think it is. You know, EGR cooler by comparison is cheap. Agreed completely. So Gavin, you're getting a call from someone, you know, now granted, Tony and you've worked together. You guys have, you know, you've, you've kind of on the same mindset, but given an example where maybe a customer called up technician and, you know, you're right. They had gone through the manuals. They were, you know, pretty proficient, but suddenly this really was starting to bother them. Any examples or anything you can talk about where you guys, you know, had to give them kind of either some technical insight or some customer service insights? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and typically in that situation, we're looking towards maybe a less obvious failure and or a totally normal uh, condition of the engine. So um, I think uh, the best example of this is uh, our, our more modern diesel engines go through a thing called regeneration. And what this is, is the exhaust system has a filter in it, we'll call it a trap. And basically it collects, uh, you know, just black soot uh, and particulate coming from the exhaust. And over time, that filter starts to become restricted and it needs to be cleared. What we do, what our engines actually do is, is they uh, add a little bit of fuel during the exhaust stroke of uh, the, the cylinder. And what that does is it causes the catalyst to heat up and it causes that soot to then burn into ash and it becomes non-dangerous. It can pass through the exhaust with no issues. Well, in a lot of cases, customers use these vehicles either low speed or short trips or in you know really cold conditions, and we can't meet that requirement where we just go through a, a passive regeneration. And at that point, the vehicle wants to go into a dynamic, an active regeneration. And this is where the vehicle says, the exhaust is plugged. I, I need to uh, clear this exhaust, so I'm going into regen. And because we're putting fuel into the exhaust intentionally, uh, it actually causes that white smoke condition. So this is one of those ones where you really do all of your diagnostics just with a scan tool typically. And then from there, if you can validate that the vehicle's trying to go into the regeneration, but maybe it's not capable either. They're driving too slow. Um, they haven't uh, driven either far enough or gotten the engine hot enough to do it um, or something along those lines. Or it has an emissions related DTC. That's the other thing. Great point. Yeah. Great point. Right. So and they, you could have a truck that's like completely on what they call the backstop timer. That's what we call it. And this thing is going to regen as soon as the conditions are correct to do it. So on 6.7 is something that I noticed that happens quite a bit is if you either use a cheap air filter or you abuse your air fil filter interval, it tries to suck the air filter right into the snorkel. When that happens, it beats up the mass air sensor. And since mass air only really, really cares about it all during the EGR process, when you first start the truck up, if it's on the backstop timer, it's going to try to regen. 
Tony, how about you, man? You're there in the shop, in the field. You got customers coming in. You know how it goes. You know, good customer, bad customer. It doesn't matter. You know, the person's upset. Maybe they got concerns. What are you guys doing? How are you dealing with that? How are you training your staff to keep your customers informed and keep them up to speed on exactly what's going on with this, you know, this white smoke? Well, everyone that we have at our service desk has a little bit of training. Like they can run a scan tool. They could do the very basics. So the very first thing that happens in our shop anyway is customer comes in for concern, whether it's diesel or not. It's like, let's go out and run some codes on it and have a look so that that way that person isn't just kind of dropping their car off into no man's land. And, you know, there's no, there's no interaction. So, and that's how, how we address it in the beginning. And, and most of those guys up front, they understand what each code is and, and kind of what is necessary from there. And sometimes that's like, okay, you know, you don't have anything significant as far as the computer is concerned because, you know, everyone is, everyone, no one understands the quote unquote black box deal. Right. So even diesel guys, diesel guys are like old school, you know, shove fuel in it until it pops and make a bunch of coal. It's great. Right. Until it starts getting really sophisticated. Sometimes it's a, Hey, you don't have any codes. Let's have somebody go through and drive this thing for what, you know, you're concerned about. And then we'll have a conversation, not just, you know, the other thing that we don't try to do, and, and I've seen a lot of aftermarket shops do this that we don't, is the very first thing you'll see is they try to upsell you a bunch of maintenance. That's a great point. Yep. We try to adjust, address that customer's concern first. And that usually makes everything a little bit more smooth because people don't really want to hear that. They want to, they want to know what, you know, tell me what's wrong with my car. And then we'll talk about all the other things that it needs after you address the fact that this thing is, you know, huffing white smoke so bad that my neighbor's choking or whatever it is. Exactly. You know, and you're on the road and oh boy. Hey, so Tony, you got to ask, man, here's your chance. You got Gavin sitting here. Any other concerns, burning questions or anything, you know, that, that, you know, you're seeing out there that you'd like to ask Gavin, you know, and then Gavin, I want to see, you know, if you have anything you want to check in with Tony on and, you know, things you guys are doing and, and new things that maybe, you know, Tony should be aware of, you guys are coming up with. Well, I mean, as far as like just question asking, there really isn't a whole lot. I mean, you know, we're, we're pretty connected as a company that does a lot of diesel. I mean, we're, we're part of the whole thing. We, we have a VCM and we subscribe to IDS and, and the Ford service information as well. So we're as plugged in as you can be and not be a Ford dealer to be completely honest. And, you know, it'd be cooler from our end to have a little bit more connection with the technical hotline and in places like that, just as another place to get information unfortunately like we're we're kind of an oddball we're a little bit of an enigma as far as you know shops that fix these things go because we have that connection and and i don't know what it would be like for other shops or how that would even work from a ford perspective because you have to manage people that are on all completely different talent levels you know inexperienced with the product really yeah so i mean as far as it goes on the, the internal ford side um one of the things that we're always trying to do is we're always trying to look for you know, newer, greater, better alternatives for uh, parts, particularly if we see any that tend to, to have, you know, a particular failure mode or a particular issue. As far as like the parts go, you know, from a sales perspective, when we start being in the aftermarket and we start talking to people, you know, everybody's like, well, couldn't you just get this in the aftermarket? It's like, okay, well, the aftermarket is probably 
two to five years behind Ford as far as their engineering level, right? So they may have found something wrong with this part, and that's the reason it failed in the first place. And if you buy something that's from Ford, you're going to get the current iteration of whatever that is. Exactly. That's a great point. And we do run into that a lot. You know, companies will go and, and they'll purchase and reverse engineer and try to figure things out. But we're, we're on a constant improvement cycle. So they may be, you know, like he said, years in the past where we're current and even moving into the future. Yeah, I think that's really important. That's something, you know, stressing to our listeners and to all these techs out there. That's a really good point. Right. Well, it, it works and it's current. Think about the last time, you know, it's like if, you're, if your phone contract is two years old, you might as well be cruising around with like stone wheels, right? So if you think about that, I mean, how fast everything changes and how, how much we learn so quickly that if someone in the aftermarket is building a head gasket that they reverse engineered from something that was a 2011, as far as 6.7 would go, it's like they're, they're, they're three phone contracts behind. Yeah, you're right. We realize we have a lot of other topics for discussion, but we're out of time for this episode. And we'd like to hear down the road from you guys how this white smoke um, kind of you know, evolves with the 6-7 and other tech topics. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Good talking to you all. Man, I know Ford has some great resources like Tech Talk for diagnosing and servicing its diesel trucks, but there's nothing like hearing two diesel pros bring their collective experiences to life on the lift powered by Ford. Hey, you remember summers as a kid, don't you? Hanging with your crew, cruising around town, looking for something to do. Then your parents would come up with a plan to send you off to summer school. Ouch. Hey, well, now you're an adult and summer school has never looked so cool. What if I told you there's a school where you can get behind the wheel of a custom Mustang GT on an asphalt track and learn to race like a pro? Or take it where the asphalt ends and Ford Raptor Assault begins? Or merely take it easy on an Edge ST SUV lifestyle experience you won't forget. Got your attention? Well, I'd like to introduce you to Dan McKeever, president of the Ford Performance Racing School. Hey, Dan, welcome to the lift powered by Ford. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Hey, Dan, where did the concept for Ford Performance Racing School come from? Well, it started with a a, um, a phone call from Larry Miller, uh, who built a racetrack out in Utah and wanted to have a, a driving school um, associated with the track that he was building. So that's that's where that's where it all started with um, uh, just a, a Utah businessman wanting to have some fun out at the racetrack. Nice. Hey, tell us a little bit about the different driving disciplines you have at the school. Um, I, I talked about the fact you guys are on the track, you're off-road on the dirt, and it sounds like you have a lifestyle course. Well, the, the school's based around just learning performance driving techniques, and, and the performance driving techniques are the same that, that you'd need for, for racing. But for most folks, it's, it's just about the adrenaline. So um, we just take you through different exercises that, that help you understand vehicle dynamics, um, you know, vision techniques, making sure that you're looking in the right spot, gathering good information so you can make good decisions, um, learning the limits of the car. Um, so we can just go through a bunch of exercises. And once, once we've got you with a reasonable skill set, it's about going as fast as you can around the race course we have for you. Wow, that's cool. And what about skill level? So let's say, you know, you get some folks who've driven on a track before, but what about someone who comes in who knows nothing? Well, the majority of the folks that come to us really don't have uh, either any or, or very little uh, performance driving 
experience, which is kind of cool for us. It just means the learning curve is, is super steep. Um, but we're, we're designed uh, for no experience. So um, it's really starting from scratch. But he here's the good news. It's not as though we're, we're starting with like a, in golf where, where somebody's never picked up a club before. We're starting with folks that drive on the street all the time. So they've got some basic skill sets. Um, so it's, it's pretty easy to get guys and gals um, up to speed relatively quickly. Now, what about off pavement? How does that work with the Raptor Assault? So the, the Raptor Assault is is not much different than the than the pavement schools, right? So we're we're still giving you the techniques that you need to to compensate what's what's in front of you. And instead of a a, a paved course, you know the the terrain changes. Um, so it, it's just about understanding, you know, what what the vehicle is going to do in in sand and in dirt. There's a little bit different technique in terms of compensating a, a dirt road. Um, especially with with what we're up against, where you're not getting to do the same set of corners over and over again, so you're having to read new terrain continually. Um, understanding the capabilities, you know, there's the, with the the Raptor, there's some high speed capabilities, but there's also some you know rock crawling, low speed capabilities. So we we walk through all of that uh, and all the systems within the truck that that allow it to to compensate this stuff really pretty easily. So. Yeah. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time mountain biking and snowboarding out in Utah. I've spent a fair bit of time in Park City. Tell us about the Edge ST SUV lifestyle experience you guys host in Park City. Yeah. So the ST SUV experience was was a cool challenge for us. Because the ST um, experience is about an, an SUV, a performance SUV, but it's, you know, the buyer is, is not necessarily going to be truly performance minded. So we wanted to make uh, the program have enough elements on the lifestyle side um, to hopefully attract folks to, to come visit us. So uh, having the two locations, one at Asheville, a beautiful site up in the North Carolina mountains, and then Park City. Um, and it, not to mention, because this is a program that allows uh, you to bring a guest as part of the program, we get a lot of uh, husband and wives. We get, uh, and wives is the primary owner in, in a lot of cases. Uh, we get a lot of father son uh, and, and so they get to experience that together and we, you know we talked earlier about no experience required the majority of the folks that come through have no performance idea of what what they've gotten themselves into so it's cool to be able to present hey this is a car you've already bought look what it can do this thing is an amazing vehicle so it, it, fun in its own sort of way but a lot different than what we've done in the past and it's been a lot of fun to do yeah yeah that's cool so, you know, you're a pro driver, you've got a team of people who are also pro drivers, and you guys are teaching students about these Ford vehicles. You go to the engineers from Ford's design department to get involved, to basically get their input on, you know, the vehicle capabilities and, you know, kind of let's give you guys some input on how to push the envelope. They're very involved. Um, when we, with the owner program, so the programs that are, are, are included in the price of the vehicle, so STSUV, Raptor, um, GT500, Mach 1, GT350, each of those vehicles has its own program. When we develop the program, we get the engineers involved. These are the folks that, that were, you know, designing the, the suspension systems, the, you know, the aero, all the different pieces and parts that, that make up this fantastic vehicle, we work with them to determine what, what's the best way for us to present, present the vehicle uh, to make sure that when the folks come through, that uh, 
that we're explaining it properly and that they see uh, specifically what it is has been engineered into the vehicle. And the participants just eat that stuff up, right? They, they, they go to the dealership and they buy the car based on maybe how it looks or, or what they've heard or read in the magazine. And then we get to not only show them the capabilities of the vehicle, but explain along the way why it is the engineers decided to put the different parts on the car. And, and so uh, it makes it a bunch of fun. Hey, Dan, you have any students who come back for a second time? Yeah, we do. Uh, we do a, a lot. So we've had folks that have come to each and every performance program that Ford has produced. So they bought a, a Boss Rio 2, come to that program, and then they bought an ST and went to that program, and then they bought a Raptor. We've had folks come to multiple Raptor programs. They bought the first version of the Raptor and came, and then they came back to the next one. Um so it, yeah, the enthusiasm around the, the programs is 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 really tremendous, um, and that's what makes our job so much fun. Is is we one we get to present their vehicle in in uh, sort of the environment it was built for, which for most folks they they keep their car garaged and wiped down, and and you know are almost afraid to take their car, and they they get to do this in our car. So it's that makes it kind of fun. And then they get to interact with um, other owners, which which is kind of cool. You know, you, you, these are all folks that took the time and spent the money on that specific car. So there's a lot of enthusiasm around that. And so we get a bunch of re- repeat customers based on that. Hey, that sounds great, man. So how many days can students sign up for in your track program, for example, of one day, two day, three days? So for our, our retail program in the Mustang GTs, that's a either a one, two, or three day program. So it's just how much track time do you want? Um, uh, you know, we recommend generally the two day program at minimum. The first day is is a building block. So we're spend most of the day really just trying to get you the skill set and an understanding of of what we're doing. And then the second day is is you know getting to practice. So you're on track uh, all day. And then the third day is just sort of a track time junkie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. You want to just keep on, on driving. Um, so it, it's, it's a good program again. Yeah. So how does it work with the Raptor assault? Same thing, you know, one, two, three days. Um, you know, what are students, you know, basically looking at when they sign up? Raptor is, is one of the owner programs. So that's just a one day program. All of the owner programs come with a reception, a dinner reception the night before, but it's just a one day program and there's not an option for a second day. That's great. Hey, so, you know, a lot of our listeners are mechanics and service techs. They're heavily involved with, and not only love, you know, driving their Ford vehicles, but they also are involved in the repair component every day. How do you guys maintain your fleet of vehicles? So we, we have, we have uh, shops, race shops at uh, both locations. Um, and we do basic maintenance uh, at our location. We do have techs that are, that are trained through the Ford system to handle some things, but we lean, we lean heavily on the local dealerships to handle um, once it gets past a certain point. Ah, perfect. That makes sense. So we'll, we'll change brake pads and we'll, we'll change oil and we'll do the, the basic level of service. We, um, you know, the vehicles uh, generally go through the shop after each program day. Nice. Um, so they're, they're maintained at a much higher level than a, a normal vehicle would be, just because we don't want to send anybody out on the track without making sure everything's in good shape. So now I got to ask, can you tell us about some classic student fails? You know, something a student did completely unexpected that your, your instructors basically said, oh, man, I can't believe that person just did that. There was there was. 
this was boss 302. So this was a long time ago. We had a, a husband and wife that both had cars. So they came through the program together. So they both had boss 302s and, and they're there together. Ah, um, his and hers Mustangs. Yeah. His and hers. Who, who yeah. Who, who to thunk. Um, so they come through the program and had never done anything like this. Um, before, but, but it was like, I met him at the, the reception the night before, but super nice. We get him out to the track and they would not together. They would not go over 40 miles an hour on the track. Wouldn't do it. Like legitimately they, they just putted around together, but here's the best part of the story. They had the best time ever. I promise you they went three times as fast on the road entering the track. They have a chance to get on the track where there's no cops and no curbs and they wouldn't go over 40 miles an hour. Right. You know, I mean, I love it. I, I guess. The nicest couple ever, man. But it was, uh, gosh. Hey, Dan, how can our listeners find out about your school? Yeah. So you can follow us on on the social media channels under the Ford Performance Racing School. Um, we, we do have um, fpracingschool.com or fordperformanceracingschool.com. Um, that, that has information on retail schools. So it, anyone can come to those one, two, and three-day schools. Uh, in terms of the owner programs, there's individual websites for each one of those, although you can connect through the Ford Performance Racing School. So that's, that's the best place to go to find information. Um, in terms of the owner programs, your local dealer should have plenty of information on, on that. So uh, but Ford will also send you a welcome letter. So um, it, if, if you, if you've purchased one of the vehicles that are eligible, there'll be a personalized invitation that'll, that'll send you to the, the appropriate website. Cool. Hey, Dan McKeever, thank you very much, man. I got to get out to one of your schools real soon. Have a great summer. We'll stay in touch. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Okay. I'm there. I'm heading to Utah to attend one of Dan's racing schools. I'm going to drive my expedition. So seven listeners out there between New Mexico and Utah who want to come along, hit me up and I'll pick you up. Well, there you have it. Some insights and advice on Ford diesels and the only performance racing school to wear the Ford Blue Oval. I want to say thanks to Gavin, Tony, and Dan for joining us and to all of you listeners for tuning in. Check back soon for our next episode of The Lift Powered by Ford. We'll keep you updated on what's buzzing in the auto repair biz and other stories we know you'll find interesting. I'm your host, Chris Simard, and I'll see you on down the road. <laughs>